All right, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We're content, continuing to study verse by verse through the book of Romans. And today we're looking at the provision of salvation becomes a reality through faith. Uh, but when we think about our salvation, I think many times we think about the fact that we've come to know Christ and he's uh, uh, given us heaven and we've been justified and all that. But guess what? There's still a life to live after that. And that's what some of what we're going to be looking at today. Now, let me say this, uh, or let me ask you a couple questions. I just kind of want to see where you are this morning. You don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to think about this. How many of you are sitting here today, and there's something you've been praying for for a very long time? Very long time. And, 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 and you just are sitting there, and you're wondering, what is God up to? What's truly happening in this moment, or where I am in this place of my life? Then there are some of you that may be here this morning, and many of you may be asking the question, I know God gave me something years ago, and I'm considering what he wants, and I've basically said, yes, I want that for me too, but yet there's still this long period of time where you've seen nothing come of it. Have you ever been there? I think most of us have been in both of these places. If you will, look at the introduction there on your outline. We're going to attempt to answer those questions, but look there on the introduction. The Christian journey starts, is lived, and ends with faith. A faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and as you think about that, think of these questions. What are you believing in that makes a difference in your life? What in your faith is proof that you're trusting God? What role does your faith play in your life? All these are very pertinent questions as it relates to what we're going to be looking at today. So look at the next part of your uh, introduction there. Faith lived out produces miracles and vision in the life of the believer. You see, your life, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as I said earlier, so many times people think, okay, I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. He said he loves me been baptized and all that. And then we think it just kind of stops right there. And then we just kind of wait until we get to heaven. No, the life he intends for us to live is, is right here, right now. And he has a plan. He has a vision. There's something he wants in your life. Now, here's some important verses as it pertains to faith. Look here on the screen. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Here's another one, Romans 14, 23. Everything that does not come from faith, listen to this, this is tough, is sin. Is sin. Wow, that puts a little different twist. How about this, Romans 1. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live how? By faith. Here's the person we'll be looking at today. Hebrews chapter 11 says this about him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. 
He lived. Think about Abraham. He lived in such a way that he trusted God on a daily basis, but it was much more than just trusting him on a daily basis. He was trusting God to do something through his life because God originally placed that in him. And it was something that was going to be carried out. Now, I want to kind of look at this maybe a little differently than most would in this passage. The first thing I want you to see there on your outline is the premise of a miracle. If we believe that God still performs miracles, which I do, I think uh, there's a lot of things that we see that are happening that we don't classify as miracles that really are miracles. But there's two premises. Now, once again, Abraham and faith are mentioned together in the scripture. So two types of miracle. First, first of all, there's resurrecting something that is dead. We see that in Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, which was God, who gives life to the dead. He gives life to the dead. Now, in the context we're reading here, we're talking about really when you think about Sarah's womb. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the fact is, God is in the business or he specializes in bringing life out of death. Now, think about this. He does that physically when health is restored and life is once again lived out. He does that relationally, a dead relationship restored to life. There's some of you here as couples that are a living testimony that God can bring life into something that was once dead. He's fully capable of doing that. He does that spiritually when, when God gives new life to a dead spirit. Did you know before you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you were dead? And then it says, and he quickened your spirit. He made alive your spirit. And so we see that he's in this business. He specializes in giving life to something that is dead. A second premise of a miracle is this, creating something out of nothing. Only God can do this, by the way. Romans chapter 4, the second part of verse 17 says this, And cause those things which do not exist as though they did. <laughs> now think about this. Whatever God says happens. Now think about that in your life. Whatever he says, whatever he has put on your heart, whatever he's given you, a vision, a dream, or something there, whatever he has put there happens. This is the power of God. God speaks things into existence. Now, as we make our way through the study this morning, I want you to keep these thoughts in mind as we move to the next point. Look on your outline. The phases of a miracle or the phases of a vision. Now, Paul now gives us the illustration of verse 17 and verse 18. He says, okay, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Now, here's how, here's how it's illustrated. So look at verse 18 and look who the character is. Who is a reference to Abraham? Abraham, contrary to hope, can I tell you what that means? When it seemed hopeless, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now let me just tell you about this. This just didn't happen. Did you realize there was a process Abraham had to go through? Do you realize there was a journey that this man had to go through? And there were times in which it was very grueling. Now think about that. God gave him the promise. He gave him a dream. He gave him a vision. Now hold your place here and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Now you might want to tuck something in Romans because we're going to be in Genesis for a while. So turn to Genesis chapter 12. Now God seems to always be working out a process or a plan in our faith journey. 
Now, have you ever asked yourself the question, why does it have to take the shape that it does? Why is it that sometimes I just don't understand? Why is it that, 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 that uh, there's something that seems so obvious that would be nothing for God to do? Why doesn't he just do it? Here's one of the main reasons why. God desires a relationship with you. Now think about this. If you were a parent who just started giving your kids everything they wanted before they even asked, and you just kind of anticipated what they wanted, and you gave them this, you gave them that, and, and there was nothing where there was an interaction between the two of you, there was nothing that was there. Did you know a relationship would never be born out of that? There's got to be more to it. And that's the same thing that God, I believe, does in our lives. The reason there's a process, the reason there's a journey is He's not just trying to fulfill a plan in your life. He desires a relationship with you. That's why he's, what's what he desires. So, so let's take it in the context of Abraham since Paul did this in Romans chapter 4. So Abraham's life of faith shows up six phases of a miracle, six phases of a vision. Look on your outline. It begins with a God-given dream. Now, let me just say this. Not all of what we're living in takes the same shape as it did for Abraham. But I guarantee you're going to see parts of the journey that Abraham took in which you're going to see what you're living in right now. You're going to see it played out right there in front of you. Because it's just things that we all go through. So it begins with a God-given dream. In Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Now Abram is Abraham. His name will be changed. We'll get to that later. He says, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house To a land I'll show you. He's basically saying, I want you to leave the familiar. Everything that's around you. I want you to leave those things. I will make you, if you do this, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, listen to this, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what what did God tell Abraham? I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. That was a God-given dream. That was a vision that God had for Abraham. So Abraham got a promise. Keep in mind that at the time of the promise or the vision, listen to this, Abraham was 75 years old. 75 years old. Now some of you are sitting here thinking, wow, things are just getting started at 75. Yeah, did you know that's possible with God? It is. It's possible. So God gives you a dream, a vision, a promise, something that captures your attention and possibly of your life. So a vision from God, it then requires, look on your it then requires a decision. If he gives you a dream, if he gives you a vision, if there, he, there's something there that you, you know that he wants to accomplish in and through your life, guess what? There always is a, a decision that needs to be made. So look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Haran. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to pick up everything you have and start over at 75? Doesn't sound too appealing, does it? Can you imagine Abraham? He was probably thinking retirement. He, he was probably thinking, okay, I'm, going, I'm at the point in my life where I need other people to step up. I'm just going to kind of lay back in the background here. And God says, no, I, got, I, got, I have other plans. There's a vision for you. Now, first there was a dream given by God. Then there was a decision. Am I going to obey God or not? Anytime you're given a vision, there comes a point 
where you lay it on the line and you reach beyond your doubt. It, there comes a point when you break free of the chains of fear, uh, where you take the plunge to follow God's plan. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Faith. Now think about this in the context of faith. Faith, we know this, is a verb. It's not passive. It's active. If you're living a faith that is passive, you're not living a life God intended you to live. It's always an active faith. It's an active faith. Now, first God gives Abraham the dream. Then Abraham makes the decision to go for it. Now, think about what he was doing. He had to leave the familiar, his people, his heritage, his comforts, and go for what God had called him to. So anytime we're, we're making the decision to follow God, to do what he's called us to do, guess what? Many times we're leaving behind the familiar. Because most of the time, that's what a faith journey looks like. That's what it looks like. To move ahead, away from the familiar. You see, God's vision and promises always come with an invitation. You see, God gave the plan. He gave the vision to Abraham. But Abraham had to be the one to embrace that. A decision to go for it. So far, so good, right? But also a vision from God. Look on your outline. It, temp, it typically comes with a delay. A delay. I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at all through Abraham's life. If you've never been familiar with Abraham, you're going to have his whole story before you leave here today. So in Genesis chapter 15, look at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your exceedingly great reward. Now, let me tell you what's happened. Abraham's gone into the land that God has shown him. He's there in the land. He's starting to inhabit the land that God had given him. But guess what? Even where God sent him, trouble showed up. How many of you have ever been where God sent you and it wasn't easy? <laughs> it hardly ever is. And, and, and here's what's interesting about it. He goes there and then he has to defend, defend what he was to inhabit. And so then there was this whole idea of, obviously, he's afraid. Uh, he's afraid that these kings in this region are going to come after him. And what does God say? Don't, don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of that. I understand you're fearful, but I'm going to take care of that. Think about what we just sung a while ago. Where there was death, God, you brought life. Where there was fear, you brought courage. Do you, if you were to do a study of all the heroes in the Old Testament... You know what you'll find? Every one of them had to demonstrate courage in the midst of their faith. There was always something that required courage for them to overcome and be and do and fulfill the vision and the plan and the dreams that God had for them. And so that's nothing unlike what Abram had to go through. Verse 2, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Eliezer is, is Abraham's steward. He's the one that's been placed to oversee the affairs of Abraham. And basically what Abraham is saying, hey, God, you remember back over here in, in chapter 12? <laughs> now, he didn't know anything about chapter 12. But you, you know over here in chapter 12, you said I'm going to become a mighty nation. You said my name would be great amongst the nations. Let me ask you a question, God. How am I supposed to do that without having a child? Is it going to happen through my steward's family? He's asking an honest question. Then Abraham said, look, 
You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, he had to remind him of the plan, of the vision. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. How many of you at times when you follow the God that sometimes you need reassurance? You ever been there where you felt like you were hanging out there by yourself? He placed something in your life. You've been praying for something for a long time. There was a decision to act. Maybe, maybe your obedience was simply to pray about it. But all of a sudden, there's this long delay, and, and you're looking, and you're wondering, where is God in this situation? Listen to this. The problem we have living by faith is many times we get impatient. Let me ask you a simple question. Anybody been impatient with God before? Yeah, I think all of us would admit that. There always seems to be a delay in God's timetable. Now, let me remind you of this. This may blow you away. Chapter 15, that reassurance. Do you know how many years passed between chapter 12 and chapter 15? 11 years. 11 years passed. Abraham received the vision of the promise 11 years ago. So why does God delay? Have you ever asked that question of him? God, why aren't you answering this? Where are you in this? Here's why sometimes. The timing's not right. Now, some of you are like, well, that's obvious. But really, the timing may not be right. Did you know that God's timing is perfect? Did you know sometimes it takes great faith to believe that? <laughs> it really does. So sometimes the timing's not right. Sometimes the greatest impact of what God wants to do in a particular situation may come later. God is always waiting for the greatest impact. How about this? So why does God delay? Well, maybe our maturity needs to be developed. How many of you are glad you're not what you were 10 years ago? <laughs> How many of you, your perspectives have changed in 10 years? It's amazing what we go through and what has been. And here's this maturity. Now, here's what you got to think about. Poor Abraham is 86 years, 86 years old right now. What kind of maturing needs to happen in his life? <laughs> but obviously, I mean, there's something to this. So maybe it's our maturity that needs to be developed. Maybe the maturity of the person you're praying for needs to be developed. Or maybe our faith just simply needs to be tested. You ever had your faith tested? Did you know that God will test our faith? Did you know there's biblical evidence that says that? He won't tempt us with evil. But let me tell you one thing. He will test our faith. He will. Some of us are living examples of this. Now, now think about this. What do you do during these delays? What do you do? God gives you a vision. You make the choice to follow. Then comes the delay. Do you get impatient and create and follow your own plan? How many of you have ever tried to help God in the process? God, maybe, maybe, maybe you said God, it says God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> not really. That's not really in there. You know that, right? And so maybe you jump out there and you're like, I'm going to help God. That's my mission to help God. And so we get impatient and then we create our own plans. Or do you just become angry with God? 
I think every one of us have had both of those responses to the delays in our lives. But guess what? The delays can go further. Look on your outline. Delays can create doubts. Create doubts. All of a sudden, the very thing that you thought was in play, the very thing that you thought that God started, all of a sudden you become doubtful if it even is of him. And so turn over to Genesis chapter 16. Look at verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. You know what Sarah was doing? She was doubting. She was doubting. Now, who did the promise come to? came to Abraham, right? He probably had to pass it on to Sarah. And so Sarah sitting there, maybe she didn't get the message directly from God. Maybe she got it through Abraham, and, 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 and now she's concerned. Uh, and so doubts begin to stir in her own heart. And then guess what? If you read this carefully in verse 2, you know what she's doing? She's actually blaming God. God has restrained me. You ever done that? <laughs> Blame God? Next, delays can create doubts, but it also can create detours. Genesis chapter 16, look at the second part of verse 2. Sarah said, basically, Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Now, have you ever wondered what made her go to that length to do that? Have you ever thought about that? What would have made her to go that to, to be that desperate to do that? Here's one thing that I think was probably happening, and we can relate to this. I think if she was a caring wife to Abraham, which there's every bit of that she was, that all of a sudden there's year after year after year the promise had not been fulfilled. And all of a sudden. Her heart was really going out to her husband. She was watching the anguish he was going through. She was, she was watching what was happening in his life. Now, the Bible doesn't come out and clearly say that, but let's look at human, the human condition. Let's look at our relationship with those that we love. All of a sudden, there's this promise, and all of a sudden, there's this desperation, and, and all of a sudden, there's these doubts that surround this thing, and, and then Sarah presents what we would call a detour. So Abraham and Sarah created a detour around God's plan. They got impatient. They took matters into their own hands. They got ahead of God. Now, how many times do we do this? We begin to do our own thing. Now, the most difficult thing in our faith journey, listen, is waiting. It's always the wait that gets us. How many of you love the wait in traffic? You come up, you're making good time. Can you tell how I approach driving? You're making good time. You come over the hill, and all of a sudden, all you see is taillights. Traffic has come to a standstill. So you slam on brakes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, so all of a sudden, you're there. And, and all of a sudden, the only thing you can do is, is many times just sit there and just wait it out. And then you turn on the radio, and the guy says, Hey, those out there on Interstate 85, just want to let you know. It may be easier if you just take a detour and come around the other side there. And then, and then how many of you have ever taken that advice and got over there and found out what? It was just as busy as the other side. There were more difficulties over there than it was just sitting there. 
So many times we try to bring the, the detours in play. Detours, let me tell you this about detours. They can be very costly. They can create many problems. Do you know who is going to be born out of this detour? A little boy by the name of Ishmael. The father of the Islamic nation. Wow. You're talking about a costly detour. That, that, that was, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, and God had a plan through that too. I mean, don't, don't, don't get that wrong. There was, there was still a plan that was being worked out. But it was a costly detour to, to, to Abraham and his descendants. Because you see even today what's going on. The fact is, here it is. You cannot hurry God. His timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. But let me tell you one thing. Sometimes it takes great faith to believe that his timing is perfect and his ways are perfect. Great faith. Next, delays can create doubts, detours, but also difficulties. Difficulties. If you look at Genesis chapter 17, I don't have time to read all that. I'm sure that Abram is thinking, God, this is the third time you told me about the vision for me. You told me when I was 75, when I was 86, and God, I'm 99 years old, and nothing's happening. Now, how many of you would say that, bless his heart, he's been waiting that long? That's a long time. Now, God, however, keeps reassuring him, but he doesn't see any evidence that it's actually going to happen. Then to make matters worse, God says in verse 5 of chapter 17, look at what it says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. The name Abraham, if you take Abram and then you put Abraham, this name means, and everybody around the community would have known, his family would have known, it means the father of many nations. Imagine how embarrassing it was for Abraham when he went walking through the villages. And and all of a sudden he's telling people, hey, just want to let you know, I know it doesn't look it, but I know I'm 99 years ago old. My wife's really old. And let me just say this. Uh, God's changed my name to the father of many nations. Abraham, you don't even have children. I know, I know, but still. Can you imagine how embarrassing that must have been? Did you know sometimes following God and this faith journey can be very humiliating at times? It can become very humiliating. But God's always there. His intention is not to humiliate us. His intention is for us to have a faith journey with him. To have a real relationship with him. Now here's what we need to understand. It's important to understand how God works in, the phase, in these phases of faith. Phase one, what was it? He gives you a dream or he gives you a vision. Phase two, you make the decision to go for it. Phase three, there's a delay. Phase four, which is part of the delay, then comes the doubt, the detours, and the difficulties. They may come. And in this situation, God waited. Listen, here's what we need to understand about Abraham's situation. God waited until the dream or the vision was completely out of the reach of Abraham's control. Think about this. Can you imagine them having children at their age? That's unheard of. So he made sure. So Sarah in her flesh and with her age could not become pregnant, at least in the physical. So finally, Abraham comes to the limits of his own abilities and says, we have tried everything and nothing is working. Did you know sometimes that's exactly where God wants to take us? Because the only way we can look is where? 
to him. The only way we can look to him. Now, all he could do was trust God. For Sarah to become pregnant, making the dream or vision possible, God would have to perform a miracle. It's the whole idea of bringing life from death, creating something out of nothing. Meaning, if it were to happen, only God could make it happen. So sometimes, the delay is to show God off. Now, sometimes that can be very frustrating. Especially when you want something so bad for yourself or for someone else. You've been praying about this for a long time and, and, and it can get tough. But y'all, we're not in the business to promote ourselves. We're in the business to bring glory and honor to God and His plan and what He chooses to do. You know why? Because He is Lord, not us. There's a greater plan. There's something much bigger. You know why? Abraham had no idea, listen, that, that 4,000 years later, we would be reading about his story and how it would encourage us. But he had to live through it, not knowing what it all would mean. But he had to be there. Next, division from God. It can lead to despair. You ever lived in despair before? This is what is called many times called the death of a vision. It is a principle seen all through Scripture. Let, let me just tell you this. There's always that point where you get into this thing. You see what God's placed in your heart. You see what you think needs to be there. And you, you think God's all about that and all that. You commit to it. You go through all these difficulties, detours that you create. You create messes with it. But then there's the despair that follows. Now, here's what you need to understand. <laughs> Abraham eventually had a son. You know his name, right? Isaac. Did you know the despair didn't come until after he was born? Many people believe he was probably uh, uh, someone in his, in his teenage years. And all of a sudden, he's here. But it's not the end of the story. Turn over to Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 1. Where is this leading? Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering. That means he provided it and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. How many of you so far are saying, what is all this about? What? Are you kidding me? Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I, Isaac and I, will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Did you know that Isaac doesn't have a clue what's going on here? He thinks it's just a father-son outing. And all of a sudden, they're there. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and set it, uh, laid it on Isaac, his son. Notice that terminology. He lays it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. Can I tell you what this is a picture of? This is a picture of Calvary. A picture of Calvary. Did you know that the very area... In which all this is going to take place. Some people say God is just so wonderful about things like this. Maybe on the same hill. 
that this same area is where Jesus was crucified. It later became Jerusalem, this area. I mean, think about this. So, so they went there. I mean, he, he, who's carrying the wood? The son. Who's with him? The father. Who, who has the things to, to bring about the sacrifice? The father does. And we thought the Romans did this. As a father. See, this picture, this, this story is a picture of Calvary from the father's point of view. From the father's point of view. Now, I don't know about you, but Abraham is just living this. He, he doesn't know all this. He doesn't know there's a grander plan. He doesn't know that the Holy Spirit is trying to help us to see Calvary from the Father's point of view. He doesn't see the parallels. He doesn't see any of that. He's just living it like so many of us are living it. And we don't understand it and despair's all around us. And we're like, God, what are you up to? We've all been there, haven't we? But God's got a plan. And it takes great faith sometimes to believe in that plan. Goes on. Verse 7, Isaac's wising up. <laughs> but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. I personally believe it's the same area as Calvary. Most scholars believe that. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in, in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Do you see the picture here? Now, would you say Abraham's an old man? Would you say a teenage boy could pretty much handle an old man? Yeah. And, and, but what do we see? we see? We see the son trusting the father. We see the father willing to be obedient to what's been required here. And we see a picture of Calvary. Now think about the statement in the passage, early on in the passage. Here's what he told those two young men. He left them at the bottom of the hill. What did he tell them? He said, we're going to be back in a minute. We're going to go worship God. Would you say that Abraham had faith? He had tremendous faith. Abraham figured even if, his, if he sacrificed his son Isaac, God could resurrect him. He could bring life out of death because God does two things very well. He brings life from death and he calls things that are not as they are. So in Hebrews chapter 11, look here. We see the, the whole way that this is played out. We, we're giving commentary on this. It says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises offered up in his only begotten son. All the promise, everything God gave to him was wrapped up in this one son. And God says, I want you to take him out. I want you to offer him to me. And so he does that. In Isaac, it says, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him even from the dead. Now, God said, Abraham, remember the promise? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you through this young man. The blessing, listen, is going to be so great that I'm going to have to test you in this to see what is more important to you, the blessing itself or me. Do you know that's really what the test was? Abraham, we've been on this faith journey together. We've had this relationship. Everything's been contingent on what I was going to do. I was going to make you a great nation. It was going to come through this son. So here's the test, Abraham. I want to see something. I want to see. Are, are you following me because of the blessing? 
or because of who I am. That's a wake-up call for all of us. I mean, think about what we're so desperate for right now. Think about what's in your life right now you're so desperate for. Is the only reason you're having this relationship with him is because of your desperation, you're pleased, and you want something so bad that you're really only in it because of you know what he's capable of providing? Or is it him? It's all got to start with him. It's all about him. But here's what happens next. It leads to deliverance. Genesis 22, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, again, what does this sound like? It sounds a lot, a lot like Calvary, except for it's working the other way. The father, listen, the father carried the plan out. Where God allowed this father not to have to carry the plan out. It's a big difference here. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Do you know what that ram represented? Jesus Christ. That's what it represented. There's one who's coming. There's one down the road. He called in the thing. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. Next, the, div- the vision ends with a declaration. How many of you have ever seen God do something so wonderful in your life? It came through extreme hurt and it was difficult to understand at times, but you came out on the other side. You're like, well, praise God. (laughs) That's what it was all about. Here it is. Verse 14. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Same area we believed your Jesus hung on the cross. Then the angel of the Lord, (laughs) this may blow your mind. Did you know most scholars include, I believe this, believe that the angel of the Lord was Jesus himself visiting at different times in the Old Testament history? The one who would hang there, the one who would be sacrificed there, he shows up. And he says, angel Lord called Abraham a second time out of hell. And he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have withheld your son, your only son. Blessings, I will bless you. And multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Wow, what a story, isn't it? Lastly, I'm just going to give you the blanks because it'll tear you apart if I don't give them to you. (laughs) The practice of a miracle. How does this play out in reality? If you were to go back to Romans chapter 4, I'm I'm leaving you with a little Bible study here. Here's what we know about faith. Faith, look on your outline, is in a person. It's in a person. Some people say, well, I thought faith is in the promise. Faith was in truth. No, faith is in a person. But guess what? Who the person is. He is the truth. He was the promise. And so it's always in a person. Faith's not in faith. Faith is not in some, someone else. Every, how many of you each know that each one of us can let each other down? Faith is in perfection because it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Number, number two, faith looks beyond the problem. It's just like what it said earlier, that whole idea that he looked beyond his hopelessness and he believed in, in hope. Next, faith does not pretend. 
Abraham knew exactly what his situation was. He wasn't up there saying, and this is where so many people present faith in the wrong way. They, they, so many times if you hear people talking about faith, they're like, well, faith is just believing something over here and, 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 and pretending like the bad stuff's not really here. Let me ask you a question. Can God, can God use the bad stuff? Yeah. He always does. But there's a group out there that's in our society that's out there saying, no, the bad stuff's from the enemy. So anything that bad touches your life's from the enemy. That's a lot of hell. Abraham went through some tough stuff. The fathers went through some tough stuff. Jesus himself went through some tough stuff. And so we see that faith does not pretend. It sees it for what it is. Realizing that God can work through it. That he can raise, bring, uh, life to, uh, bring yeah, life to death. Next, faith unleashes potential. You see that in verse 20. And then last of all, faith advances, advances God's provision. And we see it first to Abraham. But here's the good news. Then to us. The very thing, if you go back... It was reckoned unto him. It was accounted to him righteousness because of his faith. That's what it's all about. So here's the application. When faith is growing, miracles and vision are evident. You see God doing something in your life. There's a, there's a, it may involve a struggle. It may involve disparity. It may involve difficulty. It may involve all these different things. But the fact that the thing matters is the fact that God's in it and he's working through it and in it and through it to do for his glory. And then here's the question. When faith is growing, miracles and vision are evident. Is this true of your life? Y'all, this is a demonstration of faith is what we just read. A demonstration of faith. I'll ask the ushers to come forward if they will. I ran a little over. <laughs> but if you, have any, if you want to talk to someone at the end of the service about more about what I shared here, I'd love to talk with you about it. I'll be over here on the side. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ushers, if you'll come forward. Father, we just again thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for the faith of Abraham. And Lord, I thank you that your word doesn't just paint a rosy picture of these, these heroes of the faith. That Father, you, you call it what it is. Uh, truth's there. We see that in the life of Abraham. We see it in King David. We know that we're all flawed. We know that we all stand a potential to mess things up. And Father, I just pray for that person that may be here today, Lord, that, that's just, maybe they're at the point of desperation. Maybe they don't understand. Father, I pray you'll give them some encouragement. Father, we thank you for the ways you came to Abraham several times and, and brought encouragement. You, you, you reminded him of something that he was up to. And Lord, maybe this message was intended to do that for them today. Father, I pray for that person that's in the, maybe they've come through it and maybe they're on the other side and they still don't understand what they went through. Father, help them to realize that possibly only heaven will reveal what all that was really about. I'm convinced, Lord, that Abraham didn't really have a clue about a lot of what was going on. But Father, your plan worked beautifully through his life. Father, I thank you for this offer and I pray that you'll use it as we continue to, to do what we're called to do to make you known to the world whether it's in our community or around the world. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.